When he first heard the news, President Trump called her a titan of the law, a leader, a trailblazer. Ruth Bader Ginsburg is gone, and even in her death, she's making history. The first woman to lie in state in the nation's capital. of people have gone to mourn Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Her casket has been in repose on the Supreme Court's top steps since yesterday. She'll be moved to the national capital Friday, becoming the first woman and Jewish person in American history to do so. Many of us disagreed with her legal views. She was, though, a pioneer, according to the president, and a titan of the law. Although politics seems to overwhelm us, one thing should be made clear. Ginsburg was a human being made in the image of God. And that means her life is worth mourning. The Lord hates death. So should we. But in Christ alone, we have a sure hope that death will not have the final laugh. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris sharing the great story that's all about Jesus. And we're in what we pray is an inspiring series this week called I Need Hope. What about you? I think everyone can answer yes to that question. This fallen world in which we live lacks hope. Day to day, there are people wondering about the direction in which their world is heading. Hopelessness abounds. But the Bible tells me there's something we can hope in. Better said, there is someone who is living hope, and his name is Jesus. And this week, we've turned to the Bible and a music that's filled with the message of hope, filled with the joy of Jesus. In a moment, we're going to hear from a message preached this last Easter at a famous church in London called All Souls. It's a message of hope, and then we're going to look at Romans 5, another message of hope. But first, let's sing together a song about hope in Christ alone. And afterwards, we'll hear from Kristen Getty. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my soul. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are still, when striving cease. My comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand.
a version they recorded at the Gospel Coalition Conference in Christ Alone by the Gettys. And this is Haven Today in a program called I Need Hope. What about you? All week, we've been talking about the Festival of Hope that All Souls Church in London did earlier this year. It was a very unique prom praise as they couldn't meet in person for the first time. But in years past, Keith and Kristen Getty have been involved with the live concerts. And I recently asked Kristen to tell me about prom praise and what they like so much about them. Yeah, that their previous conductor, who was there for a very long time, our good friend Noel Trudinick, has been such an inspiration to Keith over the years. In fact, when Keith was a teenager over in, in Northern Ireland and was starting a thing called the New Irish, which is a choir and orchestra that he started with some friends and is still going and is now run by our good friend Johnny Ray, it was very much inspired by All Souls and their choir and or- orchestra, where they were able to reach out to, to believers all over the city who were um, wonderful at singing, wonderful at, at playing musical instruments and gather them together in lots of different ways, but particularly in prom praise and to encourage then people to come to these concerts and to hear wonderful music, but great hymns and to sing together. That has been the tradition. Mm. And um, they've invited us a couple of different times to come and sing. The main venue for this particular prom mm-hmm. praise event is the Royal Albert Hall, one of our most iconic concert ve- venues, going all the way back to when um, Queen Victoria, when her husband passed away. And um, part of her, her grief in that and her celebration of him was to commission lots of things around the country we have the the royal albert clock actually in belfast but one of the things was the royal albert hall because and prince albert was very keen on on the arts and the development of the arts in british culture and so it was built in his honor and it is used for all sorts of different things but of course it is wonderful to hear it filled with the praises of god's people and to hear and see believers who are serious musicians but also serious believers using their gifts in that way and i understand how you could fill Royal Albert Hall for classical music. There is the spring prom that's been done even longer than praise prom. How do you get a few thousand Christians together in Royal Albert Hall? But it's it's packed, isn't it, for this this special event? It became a big big tradition in, in, in British life for, for believers and also to invite friends to not everybody who's there is it's a believer. I think it's been a fantastic evangelistic event as well. But um there is such a strong tradition of hymn singing in the UK, even if you're um actually not even a believer. You look at some of our big um, rugby matches and football mm. matches. That, look at the hymn Abide With Me. The Abide With Me is sung at all the big major rugby matches in the UK and thousands of people in the massive sports arena. And not like singing different words, like singing the actual words of Abide With Me and led wow. by a huge band and singing it. It's, it's extraordinary. So there is a real, it is a cultural thing um, to sing hymns. You look at the royal weddings, people gathering, singing hymns. You know, it, it is part of British life. And so I I think people still love to get together and sing together. And of course, any opportunity they have, we hope and pray that the words that they are singing um, go into hearts and change minds and um, lead people to the Lord. Mm, Great. Kristen Getty, thanks for joining us again here on Haven Today. Thank you so much, Charles. so thankful for the long relationship we've had here at Haven Today with both Keith and Kristen Getty. You just heard a little bit of the virtual orchestra performing in Christ Alone from this year's A Festival of Hope. After the program, I want you to have a front row seat to this year's prom praise on DVD. You'll not only see and hear the massive choir, a finely tuned orchestra, but you 
will be filled with hope in Christ as you watch. Just call us after the program and we'll get it to you right away for your gift of any amount to the ministry. Call 800-654-2836, 800-65-HAVEN. Or better yet, watch an excerpt and see what I'm talking about. And then get your DVD from our website, haventoday.org, haventoday.org. Now, earlier I mentioned that we're going to listen to a little bit from the Easter message this year at All Souls London. It's a message that moved me and filled me with hope. And I pray it'll do the same for you as we listen to David Brown. Hard times need hope-filled Christians. And we're certainly in some of the strangest and most challenging times some of us have ever lived through. The lack of physical contact, the sense of isolation, not seeing one another, work and money worries, anxiety about loved ones, friends in the NHS, our own health and future, life and death in everyday conversation. We're feeling what W.H. Auden calls the baffle of being. For some of us, this crisis has made us consider what faith looks like when, quotes, going to church isn't part of it anymore. Suffering is becoming a proving ground for what we believe, how we respond when things go badly. Our very trust in God's power and goodness can feel at risk of unraveling in times like these. Peter writes his first letter to Christians in conflict, to believers who've not found the peace, safety and relief they'd expected since following Jesus. No, they found themselves, as we often do, in a culture where there was no, there was a social cost to being a Christian, where faith was, to some, incomprehensible, to others, offensive. They knew what it was to be misunderstood and maligned, and it was due to get worse rather than better as open persecution loomed. And the church of the first century knew all about plague too. Epidemics regularly decimated cities and regions. And you know what the church did? They stayed and they served. And the historians all agree that that unshakable commitment was a major factor in the explosion of the early church. When COVID-19 has passed, what will our colleagues and neighbours say about us? While we suffer grief in all kinds of trials, as the end of verse 6 puts it, will the living hope of verse 3 be how we're remembered? What you hope in is so often determinative of the quality of your whole life. From beginning to end. You can't live without hope. Peter's little truth-packed, God-saturated book, where we begin a new sermon series today, is all about becoming a hope-filled Christian in hard times. It's a book where perspective matters. Suffering can warp your perspective. Peter, the apostle of Jesus, as he introduces himself in verse 1, writing with directness and urgency, 30 years on from his gospel preaching at Pentecost, is still as passionate and sure as ever about those staggering Easter events he had witnessed for himself. He writes to comfort us, yes, 
but also to change us, to help us see what grace-driven discipleship looks like in hard times. He writes, verse 1, to scattered people. Oddly, we know the feeling. Good morning to all the all-souls diaspora across the world. You can feel scattered and on the fringes and still be central to God's purposes. And there, straight away, is Christian experience bluntly summed up in verse 1, in what one commentator calls a two-word sermon, elect exiles. Immensely privileged misfits, rich refugees, resident aliens, foreigners in our own world, cultural exiles, citizens of a better country than the one we're in, pilgrims passing through. Times like these, we feel that sense of dislocation, don't we? That things are not as they're meant to be. Peter wants to help us make some sense of that. He wants to give us some theological landscape to look at and to enjoy, for it's so easy to feel cooped up by all that's apparently wrong. He wants us, as he says later in chapter 3, verse 15, to be able to give a, a reason for the hope we have. There are no instructions to be followed in this introduction to the book, just privileges to enjoy. He's not exhorting, he's exulting. Praise be is the tone. Verse 3. Let some of these truths do the heavy lifting for us. Here is theology, literally, to keep you alive. He seems to unpack hope in three directions. Past, future, and present. Let's look at how he explains it. First, we see a hope anchored in the past. How did you get to be an elect exile? There are at least two reasons here. First, you were chosen, verse 2. Chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. In second, verse 3, God, in his great mercy, has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. You're where you are because your life is rooted in God's eternal election. It's the very first thing Peter says about a Christian. God loved you from eternity past. He reached out before time and sovereignly, graciously, freely chose you to be his. He set his favor on you. Does it help you to know that when you're frightened and insecure? Before the universe was created, he saw you at your worst and said, I love you. To be foreknown by God is to be foreloved by him. You didn't initiate your alien status. God did. Before the foundation of the world, God knew you were his and did something about that. He's actually a judge who preaches part of the time at All Souls London. I'm Charles Morris, and this is Haven Today in a program called I Need Hope. What about you? There are two sides to a Christian reading the Bible. One is to find your doctrine, sound doctrine, I pray. The other is to read your Bible on how to practically live the Christian life. 
In seminary, these two sides of reading and practicing the Bible could be called systematic theology and practical theology. Sometimes, seminary professors and students alike think one is more important than the other. And rather than come down on one side or the other, I would suggest both are taught in the Bible. And that's what Paul did in Romans 5. First, there is the systematic in verse 1. Since we have been justified, that's the theological term, justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Billy Graham preached often from this text that I'm sharing. Peace with God was a famous book that he wrote based on sermons he preached. No doubt he was fed by the preaching of the late John Stott whenever he stopped and worshipped at All Souls London on his way to preach a crusade somewhere else. Stott was famous for preaching the book of Romans. But as Paul keeps writing in chapter 5, the practical living coming out of a justified Christian becomes clear. Verse 2 through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope, there's that word hope, of the glory of God. Not only so, verse 3, and not becomes even more practical, we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. And character, here's our word again, hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. We heard part of a sermon by David Turner at All Souls Church, preaching during the lockdown at Easter on hope. God worked in the past to work in us today. Paul challenges Christians to be filled with hope. We can't find hope on our own or through someone else. Our hope is received from God because we are justified by God and receive his peace at work in us through the Holy Spirit. I hope you're encouraged by this hope, his hope that he gives to us. Three very practical ideas come out of Paul's teaching as Romans 5 opens. First, our hope comes from this new relation established between us and God that we, through Christ and his death for us on the cross, are at peace with him. Second, our hope is not impaired by, but confirmed by, the turbulence going on around us and inside us. I don't need to hand you a laundry list. You know the turbulence you're going through right now. Third, and you have to be a born-again believer to know in the depths of your soul how true this is, our hope is warranted by the proof which we already possess of the love of God for us. If you don't know Christ Jesus yet, there's still room at the cross for you. If you do know Jesus, you know this hope will carry you through everything swirling around you because you have not just hope from above, but peace with God.
From a festival of hope and this year's prom praise, the Kingdom Choir, and Blinded by Your Grace. Kingdom Choir performed at the royal wedding of Harry and Meghan. This is Haven Today in a program called I Need Hope. How about you? As you heard from Kristen Getty a few minutes ago, prom praise has been a unique event. It's worship of Almighty God filling Royal Albert Hall in London. And we have this amazing event on DVD exclusively for you. It's a compilation of the best prom praise performances at the Hall over the past many years, as well as some very moving virtual presentations. As you watch, you'll gain a tangible sense of God's presence at work through the music, made by an orchestra over a hundred strong, a mass choir of 500, and a full house determined to raise the roof in praise of their Savior. Plus, you'll hear from some of today's top worship artists, like the Gettys, Paul Balash, and Graham Kendrick. Prom Praise, a Festival of the Hope DVD, is your front row ticket to a worship experience that I'd like to send you for your gift to the ministry. Why don't you call us right now at 800-654-2836. Or maybe a little easier to remember, call us at 800-65-HAVEN. Or come and watch at our website, watch the program trailer, and then reserve your front row seats or DVD for a festival of hope by making your gift at haventoday.org. Haventoday.org. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow when again we get to share the great story together that's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. 
Here for your encouragement and your walk with God. This is David Wolin with Haven Ministries inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. I keep a journal in my desk of every single person who has ever wronged me. A celebrity once confessed during an interview. This way I can look back, they said, and remember who is on my side. That's kind of unsettling, isn't it? If you and I kept a list like that, we probably wouldn't have many friends. But in contrast, 1 Corinthians 13 shows us what real friendship looks like. It says, Love does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. And we see that kind of love best in Christ himself. For those who belong to Jesus, the record of wrongs is torn up. Anchor Devotional is available at no cost. Just visit GetAnchor.com.